Welcome to another podcast from the Fleming Foundation. This is in our podcast series, From Under the Rubble, which examines uh, the realities of political life in America. We're starting a mini-series today uh, looking at some of the more basic questions. And uh, as a special co-host for this mini-series, and it may, go, this, it may turn into a maxi-series as the years go by, I have with me Rex Scott, who is a multi-talented uh, person living in Rockford. Hmm. Rex and I have uh, rather different backgrounds. I'm, uh, I'm a classicist. Rex is rock and roll. Rock. And roll. That's, that's what right. I am. I so, thought we were the devil in the deep blue sea. I well, thought that's how that we went. Too, and I, I think I'm the devil. <laughs> okay, you can but, be the devil. Uh, but uh, it's this. I, I think we're going to have a, a, a kind of dialogue that's going to be very lively and exciting. Well, I think uh, if we're talking about lively and exciting, there's probably no other topic that I can think of. Uh, but the president of the United States, Donald Trump. And um, I think, in my mind, when I, I look at his presidency right now, I think, why do all these people hate him? That is the question. Yeah, if you listen to the critics, you know, I've started this little series of columns called I Hate Donald Trump. Oh. And uh, the, I, the, I, I just, I just pa- mock and parody what the, the various arguments are. And, of course, they don't hate the real Donald Trump. Hmm. The, the phony Donald Trump they claim to hate, you know, he's a bigot. He, he hates Muslims, he hates Jews, he hates Negroes, he hates Mexicans. Mm. Now, this is, this is a man who spent his life... We hate him because he hates everything. Yeah, but, but he spent his life getting along with people. He wants to make money. Money, money. money doesn't have a color, money doesn't have a race, money doesn't have a religion. The, the, this is the one, the one god that Donald Trump has. The, is the money. art of the deal. Yes. So, I mean, this is all absurd. What they really hate him for is not for his silliness or his bad manners or his outrageous tweeting. Mm -hmm. What they hate him for is his virtues. What they hate him for is that he is a president who wants to implement the agenda he put on the table during the campaign. And what's, this the is the spearhead? what's the spearhead yeah. of his uh, campaign? Where, where, what would you say is his main thrust, his main cause? Well, you know, his, his, um, his motto, his slogan was to uh, make America great make America again. Great again. And yep. this, this has several elements, but at the core, the idea is that you know, a lot of working class Americans and lower middle class Americans are not doing as well as their parents did. Hmm. Making America great again means putting people back to work. Okay. That, that means restoring American industry and okay. productivity. Now, for Trump, the two, and for as and it's, this was true for Ross Perot. It was true for Pat Buchanan. It's okay. true for a lot of outsiders. They see the big problem in America as one: we're exporting jobs because of uh, the the uh, we cannot protect uh, American industry from predatory foreign concerns. And uh, this is a big subject, which I'm going to get okay, into yeah, today. That, that's but my, my 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 former colleague David Hartman could show how com- countries like France and Japan give a thirty percent or more. Uh, advantage to their native companies as opposed to America. And that's through their VAT tax and through mm-hmm. their tax structure. So we don't do that. We're, we're defenseless. So jobs are being exported out of the country. Okay. And, and so, and you, at the same time, 
we're having more and more low-level jobs being taken over by by this massive influx of illegal aliens. Right. Let's and build yeah. the wall. That's yeah. one of his big lines. I remember. So that. that's the other thing that people hate him for, and it's not because he doesn't like Mexicans or anybody else coming into the country. It's because he understands full well that as long as you can pay an illegal immigrant two dollars an hour, then you don't have to pay anybody ten or twelve dollars an hour. Right. And so this, it's this double. This 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 two faceted enemy that Trump sees. Why would anybody hate that? You ask Rex. Right, exactly. I was thinking the wall, and uh, you know, I'm not talking about isolationism, yeah. but I am talking about security and a uh, an illegal immigrant, illegal whatever you're going to speak, you call them. The thing is, is that it makes good sense to me that we shouldn't have a revolving door on any of our borders allowing anyone yeah. to come in that, and stay here and do whatever they want. It seems to me that should be regulated as it was forever. Uh, forever. And in every country. Throughout human history. Yeah. Except since the 1970s at least and probably before, uh, big business Republicans have joined hands with uh, the Democrats because the Democrats, every, t every time a poor welfare dependent alien enters the country, the Democrats figure another voter for us. Hmm. But th the Republicans look at that same person, cheap labor. And in fact, the novelist Edward Abbey, who was a, you know, quite, quite a popular writer at one point, Edward Abbey once said the, 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 the conservatives, the Republicans, want their cheap labor and the liberals want their cheap cause. I see. So and, and in both cases it means money and power for the political leadership of both parties. So this has been completely impossible to talk about. I used to try to talk to uh, to rich Republicans about this issue in the 1980s and they told mm. me I was crazy because Ill because immigration was never going to become an issue in the United States. Well, it is an issue. Trump is on the right side of it, and everything they most hate him for is because he's right. Okay, so when we talk about the people that hate him, I mean, I don't hate him, and it doesn't. It sounds like you don't hate him. Yeah. I mean, who are these people that are hating him, and what are they? Uh, why are they demonizing him? Yeah. Well, they, they hate him, first, because he represents a threat to their interest, look, okay. for one thing. And the threat to the interest is that the leadership of both parties and the people who f pay for this leadership, okay. uh, they, uh, their interests are threatened by anything like nationalism or patriotism. Hmm. You know, ma the major companies in America are now multicultural concerns. And in fact, in interviews, the CEOs will say, I don't think of our company as an American company. I think of it as, a, as an international company that happens to be headquartered here in the United States. They, they basically repudiate the whole notion that they have to have some obligation towards the rest of us. Um, so it's a... Is it necessarily a bad thing to be what I would figure you would call a globalist versus uh, what uh, an American or um, pro-America, make America great again? Is there a dichotomy there? Is there a great, great difference? Well, one of the, one of the, the real dichotomy is not what it seems on the surface. Because on the surface, you've got people who you talk like they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to, you know, to love all humanity. Right. But really, what they mean, the, it's very simple. The more you, the greater the extent 
of a political power. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether the, the government of a country or the United Nations or multinational regulatory concern. The broader it is, the fewer the people control more of the resources. Mm -hmm. So the dream which these people have, and this is this is shared by you know the by big business. Whether, whether it's uh, Bill Gates and mm -hmm. Warren Buffett on the one hand, it's shared by uh, the global philanthropists. Who it seems course, like Hollywood's grabbed yeah, onto that Hollywood. too. But what it really yeah. means in the end is a couple of thousand people will rule the billions and billions of people who mm. live on the globe. Because every time you take power, look, you, could, you take power from the family and give it to the city of Rockford, which has a right to tell you how you can school your children. You take power from the city and county here and you give it to the state, which mm. then wastes all the money because we have the most corrupt legislature, perhaps, in the United States, which is why the state is so bankrupt. Mm. But then you take the power away from the state and you give it to the Congress and the president. We've already, I mean, we're all powerless here. Right. And then imagine you take the national government oh, and you give it to a small globalist elite then we're all just ants in an anthill, and there's and there's just a few people. Becomes who more and more everything. convoluted. Yeah. Now we keep talking uh, in terms of sort of almost us and them. I suppose we're talking left and right. We're talking conservative and liberal. Are you a conservative? I used to I used to use that language. I find that it doesn't work anymore hmm. because the conservative movement has fallen into the hands largely of of people who are called neoconservatives. But the, they're they're pro they're essentially they no longer believe in American traditions. Okay. They don't believe in anything peculiar or particular. They've sold out on everything. For example, magazines like National Review they. Use used to be in favor of marriage. Well, they're still in favor of marriage, but now it includes gay marriage. Okay. And so across the board, the term conservative, whatever meaning it might once have had, has uh, has has it's it's been taken away. It's been emptied out. And all you have left now is that conservatives by and large worship wealth and power. That's all there is. Once upon a time, it meant respect for tradition. It meant respect for the for the Christian religion. It meant respect for the American Constitution. And maybe and respect for tradition. somebody that, you know, regardless of their religion, yeah. if they practice it respectfully, yeah. Yeah. I think that they're, they're, that's fair. I mean, my views right now, religiously probably, are not exactly like yours, down in the deep blue sea, but by the same token, I enjoy conversations with other people that believe other things. So I, I think that freedom... Uh, to believe, uh, I think that's powerful. That was certainly part of the American tradition I, from, I, the, from almost the beginning. We didn't have any choice, by the way, because if you look at the thirteen American colonies when when uh, when we made peace with with the with the Brits, you know we had uh, places where there were a lot of Catholics, places mm -hmm. where there were the the Church of England was established, places where there were uh, Congregationalists, you know, who were more were Calvinists. Sure. So you had to, and then it got much more complicated by by say 1880 when you had huge numbers of Irish uh, Catholic and German Catholic immigrants coming in so basically we've had by force 
by by necessity. We've learned, necessity. We've had to learn. We've had learn to, learn to get along. Yeah. 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 So um, I, it doesn't sound like a liberal would be opposed to those ideas. I mean, uh, the idea of love of country and love love of God, love of each other. That's uh, it sounds. Uh, pretty, you know, that there's a balance there and that each of us would probably go, okay, that's pretty cool. Now, you, uh, I think, uh, defining exactly where you are with conservative and then defining what a liberal is, at least what we understand, might be uh, a good idea. Yeah, so well, what is your let's conservative? Start, let's, start with, let's start with liberal. Okay. And uh, let, let me put it really in a nutshell, because you got to go back to the late 18th, early 19th century mm -hmm. when liberalism was developing. What liberalism meant was that the, the, the greatest virtue, the greatest blessing in life was to be free. Mm -hmm. And that each person could pursue his own dream, his own and fulfill his own aspirations. Okay. Now this meant for liberals, this meant uh, you didn't want government uh, uh, screwing around with trade policy. You wanted free trade. Okay. It meant you didn't want an established church. You wanted everybody to do his own thing. And in fact, you more you tried to minimize the influence of religion, tradition, mm. social class wealth differences, get rid of the monarchy. Liberalism was, on the one hand, it was a beautiful ideal, but it was also a destructive force. You know, the uh, Karl Marx and Engels... It sounds live and let live Well, to me. except that it meant, it meant deliberately dismantling the, a, a civilization that had been built up over centuries and millennia. So they were actually going after it. They weren't yeah. saying live and let live, no, let's everybody no. love each other, no. you do what you want, I'll do what I want. They were saying, wait, 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 we don't like this particular right. aspect, so we're going to start to destroy So you that. have to dismantle it so that everybody can be free. By the end of the 19th century, they had so screwed things up that, that, uh, that the Marxists were pointing out that really, in the, in the Communist Manifesto, they say they, have, they, the liberals, have destroyed every bond between man and man except the cash nexus. In other words, family, religion, community, right. tradition, all, all of these things have been, have been blown up, and all that's left is profit-making and therefore enslaving somebody who works for you. And, and as a result, you've got the labor movement, mm -hmm. you've got socialism on the, on the march, and so the liberals began to reinvent themselves and the, be, by saying, well, if everybody should be free, that means... You can't be free unless you have access to education and health care. Okay. So the government should tax the more affluent in order to provide free well, education. Well, they're taxing everybody, yeah, I mean, yeah. but the affluent yeah. well, is getting a heavier hit. In, in, our, in, in, our, in, in America, people, about 50% of the population are net taxpayers. Okay. The other 50% are net, net tax consumers. They may pay taxes, but if you're a public school teacher and all of your money comes from, from my tax dollars, oh, no, yeah. no, you, you depend on me. If it. you're a social worker, if you're in the military, if you're a politician, those people, and, or if you're a government contractor, if you're, okay. if, you're if you're contracting with the city of Rockford to pick up the trash or you're building airplanes for, for the Pentagon. We're basically paying them, and that's yeah, kind of the tax right. situation. Were they, were they exacerbating that? The liberals said, oh, we got to have more money because this guy's not getting enough money. He, he takes the garbage out. These teachers are neglected. Right. They teach right. our children. You right. must pay them more. So that's what this is all about? Is that the uh, liberal agenda? So the liberal agenda evolved from trying to make it possible for be people to be free and okay. to compete in a society. Right. But now it turns out it's this lavish safety net 
which means nobody is allowed to fail. Mm. Nobody, no matter, you may, be, you may be the worst scum on the planet, <laughs> but you still deserve to have a nice living quarters, to have a, to have a food allowance. Sure. To, and, you know, in countries like uh, the Netherlands you, and, and Belgium, you don't get just that. But let's say you say, ah, I don't like people and they don't like me, so I really can't work in an office. That's okay. We will pay, we will provide all your needs, including a two-week paid vacation anywhere you want to go. And I am not making this up. Where do I sign up? I'm getting <laughs> out of here. I want that. That sounds yeah, good to well, me. I, why do you think the Dutch are so angry about illegal immigration into uh-huh. Holland? Because they, they're going to have to share these, these, uh, these very generous benefits. So um, uh, liberalism and conservatism. Is that a is that an American idea? I mean, no, did it goes back to, no, it goes back. Our our idea is basically barbar from England. The conservatives in the nineteenth century were people who basically said, uh, a we opposed the French Revolution because they they murdered a lot of people. They tried to destroy tradition. They tried to destroy the uh, Christian religion, okay. and we're against that. We want to conserve the good things. Okay, but see. Could, what you're, could, but it's a, it's a relativistic term, because what about today? What are we conserving? Well, I, we've, all, we've got gay marriage and transgender rights, so if you're a conservative, you want to conserve that, right? Um. Well, <laughs> no, but, but you know, you've got people like uh, Newt Gingrich and Ronald Reagan. When they asked who their favorite president was, it was the socialist Franklin Roosevelt. Hmm. Because, in other words, what they wanted to do, the, the, the New Deal represented a revolution. Okay. In, in in America, transferred authority from families and local governments, and transferred it to the national government. Mm. This is a this was a this okay. If you like that, that's fine. But it's a revolution. Conservatives at the time hated it, hmm. but a generation goes by, and you've got Ronald Reagan and Newt Gingrich saying, "I'm a conservative, and therefore Franklin Roosevelt's my favorite president." So, so it, it, the term becomes meaningless because right, it, it, it means conserving the status quo, especially one that pays you a So salary. it continues to develop. Like a lot of words in our society, you know, it, it have, its meaning has changed. So there was a, a, a traditional conservative from long ago yeah. and far away and probably same liberal. So what do we got? We got the left and the right. Are we talking right. liberal conservative when we talk left and right? Yeah. Well, that, that's another problem. Left and right, you know, these are terms that originated in the French Revolution. In the French National Assembly, the more radical people sat on the left in the beginning. It just was sort of an accident. But then, and then when they pushed the right-wingers out, who had been like the people in favor of monarchy and aristocracy, then the people on the left began to occupy their seats, and so more radical people came in and sat on the left. So the whole problem of left and right, which... It was in a nutshell there because the left continues to get more and more leftist, and the right continues <laughs> to say, "Well, that's okay with me." Oh, right. So, so we're so left and right. We're become, hands off. We're yeah. like, eh, whatever. Just go over there and do that. For the left, it's two steps forward, and then if there's a conservative Republican president like Reagan, it's a it's a quarter step back, or maybe I j- I will, I'll try not to take the next step. But in fact. Under, under the Reagan and first Bush administration, you know, a lot of terrible things took place. The revolution went on just as fast mm-hmm. as it did in the, in the years before.
before under under Jimmy Carter and before that under 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 Nixon, Johnson, and the Kennedys. So so-called conservatives have never slowed the rate of of revolution, which is eating up human communities. It's eating up the family. Families have less power now especially the father in a family, less power now than they had in 1980. It's gone very, very quickly. Well, who is to, to blame? The guys who do the, the deterioration, if you will, or the guys who allow it? I mean, shouldn't we, I mean, we have to, it's more convoluted now than it was before, I think. Um, the fundamentals of every political question starts with what? Yeah. I mean, well, where do we go from there? I mean, it's got, we got to get some basis here, some, some uh, foundation we can work with. One of the things which, uh, when I became editor of a magazine called Chronicles, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the, the founder of the magazine had a, had a little say. He was a Polish Amy Gray novelist who Polish, came to live right. here. And he, uh, he used to say, Americans always make the mistake of thinking they can solve problems that are cultural, social, or moral problems through political means. You know, they think you pass a law, you initiate a program, you elect uh, the right guy. Okay. Whereas the, pro the real problem, well, you know, it's, it's like uh, my old boss, John Howard, thought that uh, drugs, marijuana was the, was the gateway drug for people taking heroin, hmm. so we needed to execute people who sold marijuana. Wow. Now, the, the pro problem is, John never asked himself, why are people smoking marijuana today? There you go, you know, that's a good people question. People go through, you know, the Greeks had marijuana, and they, mm. thought, they thought you had to be a savage to, to, to want to smoke it. Herodotus describes people getting these, these uh, Sarmatian savages. They make a bonfire of hemp, they run around, they <laughs> breathe it all, and then they collapse giggling. Uh, I, I, I've been to those parties. I know, I was going to say, that sounds like a lot of fun. I like these guys. And, yeah, because well, you're a savage. But, <laughs> but look, little, little. the Greek Herodotus finds this astounding. Okay. Why would anybody do this? You know why? Because the Greeks had a culture and a civilization which allowed them to lead rich, full, exciting lives, which and marijuana only dulled their ability to appreciate life. So these guys are not, uh, they're not drinking anything. Oh, they're they're, drink, all they're drinking watered wine. Okay, so. Oh, I mean, the Greeks, the Greeks. Uh, but yeah. they're doing it just because it tastes good. They're no, not catching no, a buzz no, off it or no, anything? No, 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 oh, no, Okay, so there's they, no they buzzes in Greece. No, 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 that's oh, not okay. true. They enjoy, but they're enjoying life. A little wine, it makes life more enjoyable. What they didn't want to do was to dull their appreciation for life. My point is that, Set marijuana aside for a moment. Okay. Why, we got we got a problem with heroin. We mm. got a problem with prescription opioids. Okay. We've got a problem with meth. Is is this because all, so one day you're leading a rich, you're a, you're a, you're a wonderful life. You've got mm. a scientist. You got a rich religious life. Sure. A wonderful family. But I just want to get blotto every single day by taking a drug that's destroying my health and and bankrupting me. Well, obviously, isn't that my responsibility? Yeah, but obviously there's something wrong. There's so, something wrong with. Can you legislate that away? I think you're saying no. You isn't that you a personal really. question? Isn't yeah. it a moral question? It's a moral question, but there's also a deep social cultural question. Why? You know, when Henry David Thoreau said the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation, hmm. I think he was wrong about then. I think he's right about now, because otherwise, why spend all these hours watching TV, taking drugs, 
basically not, li not living your own life. So there's an emptiness, there's a vacuum. So address the emptiness, address that question before you start worrying about what laws to pass or which politics. So that's a moral elect. and a religious question, that's I think right. is where you're leading into. Without God, in essence, your life is going to be void and you'll end up taking drugs and drinking a lot and without watching God, TV. Without God, without having a cultural... You know, people okay. used to... One of the things about religion, if we set God aside, religion, Religion is a system by, of rituals and festivals by which people feel that they're in touch with the natural world, they're in touch with the rhythm of the universe, okay. it gives shape and meaning to their life. You take all that away, then what do you replace it with? Well, there's no, the dancing, around, there's no dancing around a hemp fire naked, but I mean, you know, <laughs> come on here. I understand exactly right. Yeah, the people yeah. are looking for something, and almost like the NFL football, woo, my team, yes. you know, they got tattoos, hey, right. the Miami right. Dolphins or whatever. People That's, used to be proud of their hometown. And they used to be, pro they'd have mm. every, you know, like every town in Italy in the Middle Ages had its own set of rituals and costumes, mm. and it, and and it, they had re religious festivals, non-religious festivals. They had they had games in which neighborhoods tried to beat each other up. No. They had all all sorts of stuff. And they had literature, they had music, they had beautiful paintings. That was distinguished churches. by their own area, That's their right. own city. That's this right. is how we paint, right. this is how we sing, yeah, this yeah. is this is our dress, this is how cool we can be. And nice. the result is you, you have a rich, vital existence. And you had some of that in America at one time. But, so, I'm just using this as an illustration. Sure. In other words... Look at look at the cultural problem. Look at the okay. cultural emptiness. If you start worrying about juvenile delinquency, but don't worry about the fact that most of these kids come from single parent homes. Okay. You know, you've got to look at the underlying problem, and then, well, gee, what about no divorce, no fault divorce laws? Are they contributing? Right. Of course, they're they're contributing. So you have a you have a culture mm -hmm. of, that is increasingly destructive of all value, right. and that's not going to be changed by electing uh, any kind of president or having any kind of national government policy. Well, you're not going to twist anybody's arm into believing something that you believe firmly. I mean, you can change the laws, but it really is a moray. It yeah. has to be. Yeah. You know, cultural. So basically what you're saying is social before political, moral or cultural before social. Exactly. And those are the questions which have to be looked at in, in our future podcast okay. as we talk about uh, about everyday issues and everyday legal changes and political changes, political yeah. tumult, whether, whether it's the Antifa movement or, or the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. The question is always to get down to the nub of the question. What, what is it? What is it they believe, and why do they think they have a right to believe it? Is there an issue um, locally that uh, would kind of demonstrate what we're talking about? Um, I understand in the weekly uh, paper, the Rock River Times, there was an article, and they seemed to be getting down on Ben Carson, the HUD secretary, and because he wanted to dismantle some part of the administrative state. What What's that all about? Yeah. Well, the, the, the article was, was really terribly informed and really dumb, but we expect that out of the local press. But, okay. but it, was, it, it illustrates a nice point. Wow. Here's poor Ben Carson. A, he's told, he doesn't know anything about running <coughs> housing and urban development. Well, he did grow up in subsidized housing. Okay. So he, unlike everybody else who's ever worked in this field, he actually has an experience of it. Okay. And he was 
happy to get out. And of course, he became a, a leading uh, a surgeon yeah. in America. He's a he's a he's a, certainly a success story. Absolutely. So, but you know, Carson's an intelligent man. He's not very articulate, but he's intelligent. He's thoughtful. He's okay. hardworking, and he sees he sees government dependency as one of the problems of the inner city. Okay. So he wants to get government out of people's lives to free them up so that they can pursue. Uh, uh, so they can get jobs and work. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. How how is Ben Carson? What what's his agenda? I mean, listen. If I'm on welfare yeah. and I am uh, making good money and I got you know some kids and they're, yeah. and I got a place to live and I got a cell phone and a TV and a refrigerator yeah. and air conditioning, you're going to change what in my life to make my life more well better? What are you doing, Ben? Yeah. Well, he's. I think he wants to detox the dependent population, uh, and there. Uh, and by detox, I mean let them is have them start making their own money and having their own real jobs, not not simply a government paycheck. But, well, they've been but, taking the political drugs for a long, yeah, long time. Oh, yeah, How long has welfare yeah. been around? I mean, come on, yeah, much too long. The, but so, but the the, the assumption of the writers of the article okay. is that now we all know Carson must be stupid and crazy because smart all the smart people know that welfare is necessary and the government knows best how to run your life really where is that written where is that is, is this is this somehow on Mount Sinai uh, Jehovah came down and put it down on stone tent where is it written that a college professor has a better idea of how to live than a guy driving a taxi cab hmm. I know a lot of college professors and they're among the worst people I have met in my entire life and journalists are journalists the people who are going to tell you how to live hmm. look at them turn on CNN or Fox any yeah. day of the week these are lousy people politicians Politicians who are paid, who, who whose only existence is to extort bribes from the from uh, the people who pay them and tell them how they're going to vote. So where these so-called experts? Well, we got that experts, ben Carson but, supposed to respect. So he was blasted by the liberals or the conservatives. Oh, the liberals, absolutely. Oh, okay, so the liberals blasted him, yeah. and they blasted him. He said, "You can't dismantle this. This is a good yeah. thing. Yeah. If we and the, plus these are on the political drugs, man. They've been on that for so long. You pull the plug, you pull the yeah. needle out, and the world's just going to go crazy. You're going to people dying and whoa, the apocalyptic <laughs> biblical proportion. <laughs> you know, is that kind of the fear? What is? Yes. What is the well, fear of the real? Uh, the real? The more the, the the, the fear among uh, people, uh, say, at the, at the place like the Rock River Times, the fear is simply okay. they're being told something that they weren't told in grammar school, which is the last time they had an open mind, perhaps. Okay. But so, in other words, the whole, the whole regime okay. has, it, it crams these ideas that the government is there to make you happy. Whether you want to be, you know, and the well, government. To a certain is, degree, I mean, we've got roads and we've yeah. got, you know, security. I, I don't feel like I would, you know, Russia's going to parachute into my backyard yeah. and take no, over. No. You know, I no. like that kind of let, thing. Let, let me quote the great Thomas Aquinas, who said, "This the, the Commonwealth does not exist to make you happy. The Commonwealth exists to make it possible for you to pursue a life of virtue and happiness." Oh. In other words, so con the rule of law contract, pave roads, defense of the nation. Provide and then, for the commonwealth. That's right. But then, then it's up to you to, 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 um, to make yourself happy and virtuous. If the government tries to make you happy and virtuous, that's by definition a tyrannical government. Okay, so they are, uh, their, their fear 
uh, is that uh, the whole carpet of a political security blanket be yeah, pulled out from right. under, and so then we would lose that. Uh, but and then take look it, at all the jobs that would be lost. All yeah. these because really, if you look at the average government welfare program, roughly ninety percent of the money goes to pay college-educated white workers hmm. who, uh, bureau- who are in the bureaucratic system. Now you could fly over Rockford and dump hundred dollar bills out the mm. window and have a much more effective welfare system that's paying <laughs> some jackass with a social work degree that you know nine cents on nine nine out of ten cents so you're saying that there is a better idea yeah. uh, listen let's face it isn't that a moral issue when you get right down to it yeah. uh, the poor you have with you always isn't that don't we have a responsibility to take care of people that can't take care of themselves and we can't see government just turning a blind eye that for instance in essence me and you as the people who pay taxes turning a blind eye to people who are genuinely in need the uh, this is a question which I'm not going to answer today because oh. we're going to answer it in future shows but let me say that to begin to answer that question to mm-hmm. begin to answer that question we have to ask ourselves well, well for example uh, uh, most leftists would would start by quoting the bible and say I'm just doing what Jesus Christ wants us to do okay. and you say well I don't recall anywhere that Jesus told us to set up a government welfare program. Hmm. In fact, on the contrary, he told us to practice charity towards each other. Mm -hmm. In other words, that's a moral decision on my part to contribute to your well-being because as a, you know, as a, as a fellow human being. But, in essence, take responsibility yeah. for that which you can take responsibility. Yeah. He was Jesus. He fed 5,000. Yes. That's a pretty good program yeah. there. But uh, being God, he can do that. Right. You know? Whereas, uh, you know, I, we, we would be, I think, something of a mistake for one of us to, to, to play God. But, but my, my fundamental point here, Rex, is yes. this. That they take these arguments out of the Bible okay. and they twist them upside down. And then when you, when you t- if you show that that's just totally contrary to what uh, the scriptures and the Christian religion teaches, okay. then they have to fall back on, well, this is what all the smart, educated, really able people uh, say, and therefore, and it's also what pays the salaries of all these mm. smart, educated, So what you're saying is, is that this, the, the government, in essence, is not really doing anybody any good by a free handout and just, and also, what's worse, sounds like to me, is that uh, they're making lots of money off this deal. Yeah, it's their, their, their lives are heavily invested in it. And, but, even, so, but even before we go into the practical questions, you have to decide... Mm. You know, we have, we have to decide, and we're going to decide together. We're going okay. to talk about this in future episodes. Right. How do we go about figuring out what is right and what is wrong? Is, our, is, is taking over charity a proper function of a government? Hmm. And to answer that, we're, we're going to have to dig and dig and dig. Seven billion dollars, over seven billion dollars is spent on welfare. That's what I yeah. understand. It's yeah. yeah. a lot of money That's to be... Doing that with so well, imagine, imagine Rex. Okay, I'm not a rich person, okay. but if I look at all my taxes, uh, uh, income, state, state and federal income tax. Look at you know what I paid for a for a driver's license, what I pay for a automobile registration. Okay, what right, I, I get for, it, I get it. For a school t- property tax, sure, everything, lots of taxes. Roughly over half my income, over half my income goes to pay people in the government. Hmm. Now, if you gave me my half income back. You know, I I could do a lot more good with that money, not <laughs> right. just for me. 
I'd be purchasing works of art, for example, hmm. uh, which which benefit the artist. I would I could be giving money to private schools and churches at a much higher level than I do because I would I would then be able to decide based on my moral principles and my interests how to spend the money. But instead, government decides that 90% of half of my income has to be spent on people working for the government. And frankly, I don't buy it. If they want to be generous, I, I have relatives, very, you know, nice liberal people with a lot of money, okay. and they're saying, why don't you support this welfare? And I said, look, you're rich. You support it. Right. Why can't I support the things that I believe in and you support the things that you believe in? But no, you want to take my money, my time, my resources and devote it to what you believe. That seems to be grossly unfair. So moral or cultural before social, pretty much when we trim line it down, we're talking about uh, personal responsibility and um, what you would, uh, it sounds like love your brother, uh, take care of your family. Right. If we can get down to core issues yeah. like that and uh, encourage people to uh, take a stand on the behalf of their neighbors, um, uh, their friends, uh, relatives, uh, that that's a, a better way of achieving, uh, in essence, a greater government, a greater society yeah. than hiring guys to just handle it. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. On that note, I think we should close.